welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening and welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Grace Thumser. And I am Colin Schasperger. And I'm Jeff Poling. On tonight's show, we have our featured music, your LGBTQ news headlines, and the LGBTQ area event calendar. Tonight, we'll be speaking about current affairs in the country, and we can think of uh, no better way to start off the show than by getting to, uh, for Noel Phillips, with this week's LGBTQ news headlines. Late last week, LGBTQ video creators were surprised to learn that YouTube's restricted mode, an optional feature that hides potentially inappropriate content, was filtering out some of their videos, even those without adult language or explicit content. YouTuber Rowan Ellis, who identifies as queer, posted a video on March 16th in which she drew attention to the filters in restricted mode. This is a mode which YouTube itself explains is for families and for children and it is filtering out a hell of a lot of LGBT content. I've had around 40 videos um, taken off in restricted mode so you can't see them if you're in restricted mode. YouTube eventually responded late on Sunday in a tweet that said, quote, LGBTQ plus voices are a key part of what YouTube is all about, end quote, and that only videos with, quote, mature content, end quote, were supposed to be restricted. With LGBTQ issues often neglected in U.S. schools, YouTube has become an important place for young people looking for answers. Some coming out videos have view counts in the millions, which shows their importance to a rising generation of LGBTQ kids. Ellis addressed this issue in her video. But I think it's really important to look at why LGBT content has been deemed as inappropriate. This is something which goes far beyond just uh, a mistake that YouTube might have made that they're going to draw attention to and fix later. YouTube is one of the only places that queer and trans youth, gay youth, bisexual youth, pansexual youth, asexual youth, any of these kids have a way into community, have a way into knowledge, have a way into feeling like they aren't alone. In a blog post Monday evening, the company's vice president of product management, Joanna Wright, apologized for some of the mistakes in Restricted Mode's automated system and announced that some videos had been manually reactivated. Wright released the following statement, quote, The bottom line is that this feature isn't working the way it should. We're sorry and we're going to fix it, end quote. In response to the inexplicably censored YouTube content, Vimeo introduced the LGBTQ plus voices channel which features short films, documentaries, and music videos that showcase stories by and for the community. Lawmakers have voted to add Alabama to the list of states that protect faith-based adoption organizations that refuse to place children with gay parents. The bill passed 60-14 to 14 late last week. Representative Richard Wingo of the Alabama House sponsored the bill. The bill is saying that do not discriminate against these faith-based agencies and force them to place children, foster or adoption, into homes that go against their religious beliefs. Wingo said in some states, religious adoption agencies have closed rather than be forced to place children with same-sex couples. Alabama Representative Patricia Todd, who is openly gay, called the votes a, quote, direct attack against my community, end quote. In a 2015 interview with MSNBC, she made similar comments about legalizing same-sex marriage in the state. You know, they'll have to get over it, but 
In the meantime, we are hearing a lot of rhetoric from the conservative Republicans, and I just want to remind them that they don't have the corner on family values, that there are thousands of gay couples across the state, many raising children, who have much stronger family values than they do. And uh, it's an attempt to try to cool the rhetoric. If you want to talk to me about the merits of the issue, then that's fine. But I'm not going to let you get away with a five-second soundbite where you condemn me and my community. The bill is scheduled for a state Senate hearing before going up for a full Senate vote. South Dakota, Michigan, North Dakota, and Virginia have passed similar laws. A rewrite of Georgia's adoption laws that included an anti-LGBTQ amendment was sent back to a Senate committee on Tuesday. Late last week, a Judiciary Committee voted 7-4 to to add to House Bill 159 a change that would allow private adoption agencies receiving state funds to refuse to place a child with an LGBTQ family. Governor of Georgia Nathan Deal criticized the changes Monday, and the state's top business organizations are also opposed to the amendment. On Monday morning, Tennessee Equality Project members and other equality advocates gathered at the Rutherford County Courthouse to discuss six anti-LGBTQ bills filed in the Tennessee General Assembly this year. One of the proposed bills requires students to use restrooms according to the sex designation on their birth certificates and not according to their gender identity. Laura Bowling, a former candidate for state representative, said she attended the courthouse gathering in honor of her gay son. So we're here talking about three of those pieces of legislation today uh, so that we can uh, educate people on the unintended consequences of passing these pieces of legislation. What these pieces of legislation do actually pushes back any gains that the LGBT community has made in the last really even decade. Another bill deals with marriage between a man and a woman and parents being called a mother and a father as opposed to two mothers or two fathers. Some of the bills will be voted on this week. In other national news, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has removed questions about LGBTQ people from two critical surveys, the Annual Program Performance Report for Centers for Independent Living and the National Survey of Older Americans Act participants. Data on recipients could reveal disparities in how these programs serve LGBTQ people, potentially indicating discrimination or other barriers to access in the programs. This occurs only one month after Congress confirmed Tom Price as Secretary of Health and Human Services. Price is an opponent of the Affordable Care Act, which has an LGBTQ-inclusive non-discrimination provision. The Trump administration seeks to replace the Affordable Care Act, a plan that Price defended during his confirmation hearing earlier this year. I think that, that for individuals to, to the American people need to appreciate that the last thing we want to do is go from a, a, a Democrat health care system to a Republican health care system. Our goal is, would be to go from a, what we see as a Democrat health care system to an American health care system that, uh, that recognizes the needs of all. Price also called the Supreme Court's 2015 marriage equality decision, quote, a sad day for marriage, end quote, supported a constitutional amendment to ban same-sex marriage, and voted against the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act, which President Obama signed into law in 2009. And that's why, through this law, we will strengthen the protections against crimes based on the color of your skin, the faith in your heart, or the place of your birth. We will finally add federal protections against crimes based on gender, disability, gender identity, or sexual orientation. Federal data collection on LGBTQ people is scarce, and as a result of facing discrimination across all areas of life, LGBTQ people face acute levels of income insecurity, 
which highlights the importance of federal safety net programs meeting the needs of the community. In global news, the United States delegation to the UN Commission on the Status of Women, a conference exclusively dedicated to the promotion of gender equality, includes two representatives of organizations that strongly oppose LGBTQ and intersex rights. One delegate, Lisa Carinti, is an executive at the Center for Family and Human Rights, which the Southern Poverty Law Center has labeled a hate group since 2014. One of CFAM's core missions is to advance laws that restrict the rights of LGBTQ people. Its president recently called contraception and gay rights, quote, devilish gospel, unquote. The organization also supported Russia's anti-gay laws, which have led to arrests, prosecution, and physical assaults from government agents for gay Russians. The other delegate is Grace Melton from the Heritage Foundation, which is one of the most high-profile anti-LGBTQ organizations in the country. The foundation argues that laws preventing any kind of discrimination against LGBTQ people allow them special privileges. The foundation also works against grants to address violence against women. In her Senate confirmation hearing, current U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley repeatedly pledged to uphold the right of all people to be free from discrimination. I think it's very important that we talk about America's values. And when it comes to America's values and opportunities, we do not allow for discrimination of any kind to anyone. And that is something I will always speak uh, loudly about. It's something that I will always fight for. And I think it's important that we never have to deal with discrimination in this country. And I don't want to see any other country have to deal with discrimination. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson made a similar statement during his confirmation hearing. Neither he nor Haley mentioned LGBTQI people. The State Department's annual human rights report, which was released earlier this month, shows discrimination and violence based on sexual orientation and gender identity was commonplace in many parts of the world in 2016. Human rights advocates criticized Tillerson for not addressing the report's release. In Germany, Chancellor Angela Merkel's cabinet approved legislation Wednesday to reverse the convictions of 50,000 men sentenced for homosexuality under a law that remained intact several years after World War II. The proposal, which still has to be approved by the German parliament to be enacted, would compensate those convicted. The proposed law would be similar to Britain's Turing Law, created earlier this year, which cleared the criminal records of thousands of British men convicted of being gay before the country decriminalized homosexuality in 1967. Germany has a larger LGBTQ population than any other European nation, with 7.4% of Germans identifying themselves as LGBTQ and 10.9% saying they weren't exclusively straight, according to a 2016 survey by Berlin's Dahlia Research. In Chile, a prominent LGBTQ rights advocate has announced he is running for a seat in the country's Congress. Luis Larraín, who is the co-founder and former president of Fundación Iguales, declared his candidacy for the Chilean House of Deputies on March 12th. The foundation is a Chilean nonprofit organization dedicated to the promotion of equal rights for LGBTQ people. Larraín said, quote, It is not only important to have alliances in Congress, we must be in Congress, end quote. National elections will take place on November 19th. A runoff will take place on December 17th if none of the presidential candidates receive a majority of votes in the first round. For Blooming Out on WFHB, I'm Noelle Phillips. And now we're joined in the studio by our producer, Ryan Shaddy, to discuss current events in our community. Well, let's start off by discussing the YouTube mm-hmm. controversy. Yeah, that's some pretty big news going on right now. I. You know, you, you read into it, and at, at first glance, it's like, no, this isn't just an LGBT issue. It's, a, it, it's an all-encompassing issue. But 
Then you look into some of their criteria and you wonder to yourself, how can this happen and how did, how did YouTube let this get through? Yeah, I, I think it was really, what was surprising about it is that, um, that they had, you know, they had uh, claimed to say that they were restricting inappropriate content. And of course, there's a long history of LGBT content in a lot of media, especially television, things like that, being construed as inappropriate, whereas, of course, it is not just for the fact that it is LGBT. Um, you know, the the vice president for product management, Joanna Wright, made a statement saying that the bottom line is that the feature isn't working the way it should. However, the way I see it is that they made their filtering process how they made it, and I don't exactly see how they couldn't have seen what they were filtering. Colin, we've we've seen um, one of our YouTube fan fan or uh, a person who we are fanboys of I guess we could we could fangirl fanboys whichever you, way you want to see it true but everything of his was blocked and it, you know you can think of all of the times he's shirtless in his content and and all of that other all of those other issues but what it comes down to is what was actually in his feed or in his stories that made YouTube restrict his entire playlist. And I, I mean, I think that's uh, the reason that a lot of people are upset because it's not, you know, yes, I think that there are definitely some videos of things that are probably, you know, inappropriate. Um, but I think, you know, a lot more than that got, you know, restricted or blocked. I mean, people's whole channels just for being a channel that advocates LGBT issues or just talks about it, even, you know, coming out or just being gay, you know, all of their, you know, their whole channels got blocked. And, and inappropriate to whom? That's what I've never really been able to, to get out of that. Is it just the youth? Is it a certain age? Well, this was definitely a feature that was... Uh, given out as a parental control. So I right. think it was specifically, and I think there's been a long time a fear that, you know, kids will see homosexual content and they'll think that it's, you know, they'll think it's normal then and it normalizes it. And I think a lot of people don't want homosexuality and other LGBT issues to be normalized in that way. What? is your opinion on the normalization of homosexuality? Well, I think it should be normalized. So why is is such a company, YouTube is own, owned by Google, Right. everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. um, why is such a company like Google, who is open and affirmative in many different ways, why are they attacking the LGBT community in this way? Well, I mean, I think that the question is, was it on purpose? Or was it, you know, or was it truly an accident like they were saying it was? May, may I read the, um, the message that YouTube sent out? And it's the message to our community is how it's, it's listed. It's really, it's pretty short, but it says, we are so proud to represent LGBTQ plus voices on our platform. They're a key part of what YouTube is all about. The intention of restricted mode is to filter out mature content for the tiny subset of users who want a more limited experience. Oh, right. Yeah. Stop. Stop <laughs> me right there, because I'm I'm trying to pick this apart and and re I've reread this and I'm like, does this really say anything? Well, uh, you know, I think that is something they were trying to make clear because 
there were um, they were making clear that they also wanted to block delicate topics, politics, health, sexuality, those sort of things. However, it's crossing a line when it's blocking sexuality in a way where it's not a political question. It's not about, you know, whether sexuality, what sexualities are politically represented or what what have you. I mean, for example, Tyler Oakley had a, a video of his taken down called Eight Black LGBTQ Plus Trailblazers Who Inspire Me. I, you know, it's hard to find anything very inappropriate or delicate about that. It's simply representation that's right. being blocked. And you, but YouTube in this message sa- goes on to say LGBTQ plus videos are available in restricted mode, but videos that discuss more sensitive issues may not be. But that's not, I mean, that's not the case. I mean, there, right. there were videos that were taken down, you know, that just had the word boyfriend in the title, you know, th- things mm-hmm. like that, you know, and I mean, and that's, you know, the definition that I got from their website, which, you know, what their, um, the definition of the restricted mode was it's highlighting family-friendly content and censoring anything that some users might find inappropriate. And I don't really find, you know, LGBT well, and content to be f- not family-friendly or right. not yeah, exactly. appropriate. Beyond uh, even appropriateness, there, I mean there's not anything sensitive really about uh or you know not upright not not to us anyway about lgbt content i i mean there was a line between you know as jp was saying they're not blocking lgbt lgbt content they're blocking sensitive content but it seemed that basically all LGBT content was by this filter being categorized as sensitive well, material. It's, it's sensitive to somebody, yeah. right? Just like anything. Tyler Oakley, again, going, you know, the, the eight black LGBT mm-hmm. role models of his, that's something that definitely shouldn't have been, um, shouldn't have been put into restrictive mode. No, not at all. That's just and, representation. You know, just, just thinking of those things and knowing what, what we know and what we can see with our own eyes, you can tell that YouTube made a boo-boo, and they don't know how to go about fixing it the correct right. way right now. Right. Um, and then it's up to YouTube to make these corrections and to make them in a way that does satisfy us as a community. And right now, I don't know if they're quite doing that. Yeah, I think there's been um, a few complaints. I think I saw specifically maybe something that Tegan and Sarah had tweeted about how YouTube is apologizing but they're not correcting the situation at least yet and i'm sure they'll at least change the parameters a bit but it doesn't seem like they're altering it much i think the thing that's the most upsetting to me is that you think of the impact the good impact that these videos that are being blocked could have for people and you know when i think back onto when i was trying to come to terms with myself and who i was you know, the videos that did have an impact on me and how, you know, YouTube and seeing some of these LGBT videos really helped me embrace myself, you know, and that makes that's what makes me sad. I think mm-hmm. that's the reason that I'm very upset here is because I know how powerful that was for me. And there might be some people out there who aren't getting that because of this feature. And that's right. a huge difference from the time that, that you were a teenager and the time that I was a child. I would have begged to have the YouTube, what what it is today, right. just to help me through my coming out process and knowing, 
no, I'm not the only one. Because mm -hmm. in a close community of 5,000 people, you have people who are, who are gay. Yes, I, I had friends who are gay, but I saw what happened to them when, when they came out. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to do that to myself. That wasn't going to be that wasn't going to be me. So I didn't think it was normal. I didn't have any sense of normalcy about me being gay, and YouTube would have helped that. So in, taking that away from teenagers when they need it the most, Trevor Hotline, prepare yourself because you may get mm -hmm. you may get a few extra calls. And you know, I mean, even as far as we have come with um, resources for young LGBTQ um, people, there we still don't have any sort of equal representation in media. And there are children that don't see themselves on the TV. They don't see themselves in movies. And they're struggling with how to come to terms with their sexuality or their gender identity and things that are made by LGBT people without the pressures of big media and big corporations. That's what's so great about YouTube is that it's really an unrestricted way to get that kind of information out there to kids. We'll transition a little bit here and and go off of what you're, you're seeing and representation in the media and in movies and so forth and so on and go to the newest Beauty and the Beast movie and Gaston's representation <laughs> of, of a, LeFou. A, a, Sorry, yeah, LeFou. LeFou's um, representation of, uh, of, of being gay. Uh, Josh leaned over to me and he goes, I still can't, I still don't think that uh, this is, is a great representation yeah. of a gay person. And, and yeah, we did have a lot of backlash about that one in the gay community or in the LGBT community about um, LeFou being the token gay character. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it was, it was, it was, you know, just it was just crumbs, really. Yeah, and it, and it's not just that 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 character was, you know, the token gay. The person who wrote Beauty and the Beast was yeah. not only gay, mm -hmm. but was um, I don't know if you would call him an activist, but he was an AIDS activist, yeah. and and he died of AIDS um, from from what I can remember from the article fairly early on. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, just just the media still representing gay people as these flaming people who uh, that, that that are flamboyant and do a lot of stuff sidekicks you know, silly yeah right it's just Jokes. the fact that that uh, we can't get over that hump and and make him a normal gay character that's yes maybe in love with his mm -hmm. sidekick but um, he doesn't have to maybe uh, throw it out there in a lot of ways that he winds up doing so. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of, you know, what I learned in one of in my media and society class, you know, and I think what the media is doing by doing that, they're just reinforcing the stereotypes that are already in place mm -hmm. about about the community, you know, and I think that what you said earlier about normalization, the only way that we get to a point where, you know, being gay or being LGBTQ plus is normal is when we stop reinforcing mm -hmm. those stereotypes in the mainstream media that people see. You know, that includes in Beauty and the Beast, regardless of whether people think it's a good thing or a bad thing that there's, you know, a gay character in that. It's until we stop reinforcing these stereotypes that we're finally going to see the normalization. Mm -hmm. 
don't get me wrong, I'm happy that LeFou was gay because not only did it make one million moms mad, but then it also ticked <laughs> off Malaysia too and they banned the movie for a half second. But then they allowed for the movie over in Malaysia right. with the gay scenes in there. Thank so you, Disney, that, that's for stepping up to that. Which means that w- there was uh, no showing mm-hmm. anywhere right. in, in the world uh, that took out the gay scenes. So yeah. um, that, that is a, that's a good thing. Um, in my mind, but it's, to it's be, something uh, clear. The the gay scenes is one time when he dances with another man for about 0.5 seconds. Well, yeah, <laughs> shocking. There was that. But, yeah, very shocking. I mean, you can see where he's in love with Gaston all through the all through the 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 workings of the movie. So, uh, yeah, there's only one true gay scene, but you can tell the characters gay throughout. Um, but you know. Having having that type of of um, having that type of uh, uh, <laughs> I know where I'm going. Having that type of viewing um, and being able to see that uh, mm-hmm. can only be a good thing for a kid. Still, even though yeah. uh, it's it's out of uh, context for what it maybe should be. I'd say if yeah, I mean, I I would just say that. If anything, it does also, um, you know, it does it does keep uh, the the gay the gay character's role as the role of you know someone who it's okay to bully, and that does that's a little concerning with like with kids because it's obviously a kids movie, right. and it does kind of show you know gay people as someone that it's okay to. Uh, you know, bully, but that, but yes, representation is. We're getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll come back to this conversation here in just a, a second. But it's uh, now time for our first music break of the evening, uh, and this intro is coming from Spin. Years and Years have released a new remix of Desire, a track off of their Communion album. This time featuring Swedish pop singer Tavlo. The synth pop trio has shared a video for this version, which is the third video they've made for this song alone and it's an inclusive, sex and gender positive celebration of love. I've been wanting to make a video with some of my queer family for a long time, Ollie Alexander explained in an open letter that accompanied the video. Desire felt like the right time to do it. Every Years and Years video has some similar elements that run through it. Magical worlds, symbolism, pretty lights, and this time I wanted sex added into that mixture. He continued, It's a difficult road from shame to acceptance, and part of making that journey easier is owning and embracing it all. I I don't want to hide or limit my sexuality. I want to make videos and songs and art that celebrate all different kinds of sexuality and queer identities. With their 2016 hit, Desire, here is Years and Years featuring Tavlo. Keep 
Top of the hour here, WFHB listener-supported community radio, uh, WFHB Bloomington, Bedford, Ellettsville, Nashville, community radio for South Central Indiana, online all the time at WFHB.org. Right now, quick weather report for you. It is about 52, uh, just over 55 degrees, sorry, uh, with uh, skies clearing out later tonight, low 51 tonight, cloudy early and then clearing later, slight chance of rain. 70 degrees is a high tomorrow, low 58 with uh, some clouds and rain coming in the evening on Friday. And then Saturday, high of 67, low 55, mixed clouds and sun with scattered thunderstorms, showers and thunderstorms continuing through the evening. And we are going to take you right back to Blooming Out right here on WFHB. So we're back here on Blooming Out on WFHB, and uh, we're, we're really discussing current topics right now. And one of the things that we're going to discuss at this time uh, is going to talk about the new Kentucky legislation that, that Governor uh, Bevan just signed. Um, what does that really do, JP? Do you, do you recall what that does? I honestly, I, I do not have that exact information. Um, Colin, I think you're a little bit more brief on this. Yeah, uh, it's called SB 17. Um, and essentially what it does is it takes away um, any of the um, anti-discriminatory um, policies at high schools, colleges, universities. So like when you make a club or when you have a student group or something like that, um, you're you know legally not allowed to discriminate against somebody based on religion, ethnicity, race, you know, gender, sexuality, anything like that. But this state law, um, takes away those protections, um, and that's on the basis of um, on the HRC, the Human Rights Campaign website that I found. That's on the basis of uh, religious reasons. Mm-hmm. So essentially, they're allowing discrimination back into schools in Kentucky. Yes, Statewide. and it, and it seems to follow what I see as a trend of um, a, a need to protect religious freedom. Is is it religious freedom that we're talking about, or is it discrimination? Well, I mean, that's, I think that's the thing, but that's the excuse right. that they're using, and that's to the excuse Indiana used absolutely when they were writing their their uh, religious freedom law. So, 
Uh, now bakers can discriminate against gay people and and black people and Jewish people because they're gay. Now students can do the same again in Kentucky. So why why are these uh, why are these demographics under attack once once more? Um, and especially, why do they have to be students? You two are closer to high school. Tell us how high school culture was like. Your high school Oh, culture. I just love reflecting on my time in high school. <laughs> That's just one of my favorite things to talk about. I mean, personally, I, I don't have too much of a say in this because I went to a performing arts high school in a downtown, very, very liberal environment. So I didn't... Um, and it was a charter school, so I didn't really... Uh, you know, experience any of those state issues, laws like that, or any, um, not too much internalized homophobia or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I think that there are a lot of places, not in my experience, that are, um, you know, that school doesn't always feel like a safe space. Mm -hmm. And that's, for one thing, not okay, but, um, you know, it's just small things like clubs and, you know, other organizations that children can have and they can go to that just, they go such a distance to increase kids' confidence and happiness and things like that. And taking that away is just heartbreaking because if they have nowhere to turn to, it's, it. I mean, I'm sure that that just makes every day harder for them, especially if they're already in a state that, or a state or a city that is, you know, maybe not so liberal, not so accepting. Colin, how, how um, much harder would high school have been for you if a law like this were in place? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I, I already consider myself very fortunate to have grown up in Bloomington, mm -hmm. um, you know, because it's a very open-minded town. Uh, High school, you know, when I was when I was I went to Bloomington High School South, and we had, um, I, I think that we had some pride clubs, and I know that in Bloomington we have resources for high school kids mm -hmm. too. But I came out my senior year of high school, and I, it, you know, at that time I definitely wasn't in a place where I uh, was comfortable going to one of the pride groups from the school or one of the pride groups in the. Um, in the town. So I think that was, you know, kind of difficult for me in high school. But then, you know, right after that, when I was kind of really becoming comfortable with being gay, we had um, all of Mike Pence's, um, you know, all of his great ideas and his great laws, um, you know, and, and that was really hard because I was already kind of in a vulnerable time where I was getting much better at embracing who I was. And then, you know, my own state was trying to allow you know people to discriminate against me but i think that what really helped me through that was how great bloomington was at that time you know and how you know i would see all of the fire mike pence signs and people's you know yards or all of the rallies that we would have or the people who would speak out in town and that was really what helped me through that and to think that uh except in the larger cities in kentucky uh, you're not going to have that kind of support. You know, no. you, you, you might have it in Lexington. You might, well, not really in Lexington since that's the capital city and that's where I was signed. Um, <laughs> but uh, Louisville, um, you know, and, and uh, uh, sorry, Frankfurt's the capital of Kentucky. <laughs> no, no, let me get, I can't <laughs> yeah, even I think get it's my, Frankfurt. It's Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Yeah. 
There we go. It's been a while since I've studied U.S. history. It's been a while since high school? Yeah, it's been a while since <laughs> high school. I haven't had to, had to know that stuff for in a while. But anyway, um, Lexington and, and Louisville, the two largest cities in, in, um, in Kentucky, outside of there, even, you know, even going to the capital city of Frankfurt, it's a really small town, um, about 50,000 in that town. So, you know, that's probably hard for those students to hear coming out of their out of their uh, gover- state government's mouths. And I can only imagine how much more difficult it would be here in the state of Indiana where we've already, where we have refer on the books already. Mm-hmm. So uh, that we'll leave that there. But um, moving on, we will talk a little bit about uh, what's going on uh, at Texas A&M. And Rick Perry, who is now the energy sec- secretary and the former governor of the state, uh, decided that he was going to get involved in some uh, student government affairs, <laughs> which is really weird for an energy secretary to it get, sure is. get involved, <laughs> even at their alma mater. It's kind of like saying Dan Coates as an um, as a member of the Indiana University alma mater getting involved in the um, Indiana student uh, the, the IUSA mm-hmm. uh, elections that are going on. And what Rick Perry did was was he pretty much uh, wrote a letter to uh, Texas A&M um, calling out uh, the fact that they uh, cheated somebody out of um, a, a being the president, the student government president. So, uh, but he said that it was due to diversity because now the student government president is openly gay. So what do we all think about this issue going on? First off, the energy secretary shouldn't be getting involved. Yeah, in that's absolutely true. It's not his place. Um, I would, I, yeah, I would say that it's certainly it is. You know, some things were a little sketchy about why uh, the student, the other student, was taken out of the running, and you know, it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't the most uh, democratic race ever. But you you mean the fact that he's the son of a very um, well-known, um, very large Republican campaign donor is as is as it has been pointed mm-hmm. out. Yeah, well, he got little red flag there. He got cut out of the race for uh, not reporting how much he spent on glow sticks, which is a little <laughs> silly. Um I think maybe that's a little questionable, but it's also clearly not the place for Rick Perry to come swooping in and save this kid who, uh, you know, lost the race. So I, I think it was twofold, two reasons. Um, at least that's what I'm reading into this. That that being one of them, throwing the big D word, di- diversity, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just, you know, throwing that in and making a big thing of it, which, of course, Perry has a abysmal record mm-hmm. um, for, um, you know, any kind of diversity issues. But also the other is, I, you know, I wonder if it would have even been said had the boy running against, you know, the openly gay um, student. Yeah, student. if he wasn't yeah, gay. Right. Yeah. Um, it's 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 just too much of a a coincidence it's mm-hmm. it's very obvious to me that he was patting his um GOP buddies on the back and just saying hey you know um we 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 look out for you still it's it's i'm sorry but i will use that term good old boys and that's and that's absolutely that's what yeah. it is yeah 
And you and you look at the fact that the the Supreme Court even said that the Texas A and M Supreme Court uh, student Supreme Court said that uh, it wouldn't make it wouldn't have made a difference what who the student was um, their decision would have been the same it so right. you, you look well. into that and then also the Board of Regents said the same thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. their decision was based on on things un- unfortunately as as minuscule as glow sticks, but it was a reason that um, that it wasn't that, that it was an issue, mm-hmm. and in the first place, it wasn't because the student was quote diverse as mm-hmm. Rick Perry liked mm-hmm. to say a hundred times in his little article. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think there's yeah. That's it's a tough situation, but not the concern of the uh, energy department. <laughs> not at all. And uh, that's all the time we have for today's discussion. They wasted a lot of energy on yeah, that, they though, did. didn't they? they did. It's now time for our next music break of the evening. It's been 80 years since we tragically lost one of the most influential and captivating women of the blues, Bessie Smith. Called the Empress of Blues, she was one of the most popular and talented blues singers of all time and tragically died in a car accident at the age of 43 with so much more to give to the world. With Preaching the Blues, here is Bessie Smith.
the green Jumped up and done a shimmy You ain't never seen Sing them, sing them Sing them blues Let me convert your soul Support for WFHB and Blooming Out comes from the back door, downtown Bloomington's queerest bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there is something for everyone every day of the week. The back door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar, and more information can be found on their Facebook page or online at bckdoor.com. Blooming Out is also supported by the Quarry Land Men's Chorus, Bloomington's premier chorus for gay, bi, and trans men and their allies. More information can be found at quarryland.org. It is now time for Grace Thumser's ongoing segment, Trans Spotlight. Hello, and welcome back to Trans Spotlight here on Blooming Out. I'm Grace Thumser, and it's time for some trans positivity. Yelp has now introduced a search filter to help users to find businesses which have gender-neutral bathrooms. The option allows trans and non-binary individuals to feel safer and more comfortable while out and about. Yelp has been collecting this information through user and business owner contribution to the website. The idea, presented by the mother of an employee at Yelp, took less than a week to produce. While Yelp is not the first to create an app for this cause, it is the most well-known and will likely have the largest database of information due to its wide reach. With the rescinded protections from the Trump administration, many trans kids have been put into a place of danger and greater fear in school, but New York City has taken a stance by ordering that teachers call students by preferred pronouns, including non-binary pronouns. The New York City Department of Education made this statement only a week after protections were suspended by the president. And while participation on competitive and contact sport teams will be handled case by case, all intramural sports must respect the gender identity of the student. These, protect- these protections, along with bathroom and locker room protections, which have been standing since 2014 in New York City, came about first and foremost due to parental and student requests for such protections. While official nation ruling, nationwide ruling will likely be set in the upcoming years as the fight continues, until then New York will be protecting its students in a, in a strong stance of a solidarity. After Mac Beggs was told he could not compete in the boys' division of state wrestling in Texas, he competed and won a state title in the girls' division. This caused a lot of outrage, showing the trans community once again that officials and family organizations alike don't just want them out of any certain space, but of all spaces. The ensuing debate has been heartbreaking, but support came from an unlikely source when Texas sportcaster, sportscaster for ABC, Dale Hansen, gave a sincere and moving speech on the broadcast in which the story was covered. In his speech, he recognizes his own privilege and naivety while humanizing trans individuals and maintaining that lack of understanding does not warrant disregard. Acknowledging the legal ambiguity and difficulty of setting a consensus in the divided country, Hansen concluded simply saying, someone has to find a better answer than what we're being given now. The sincere and moving outreach to the trans community is worth a watch. That's all from Trans Spotlight today. Stay tuned for more trans positivity on Blooming Out. Grace, thank you once again for your great work on the Trans Spotlight segment. Well, Pitchfork brings us this introduction for our final music break this evening. Coco Rosie and Anahi teamed up this January for an anti-Trump protest song, Smoke Em Out, released January 17th. 
days before the inauguration and in direct correlation with the Women's March. In addition to the track, they've shared a statement explaining that the song is intended to inspire the weary, disappointed hearts of so many crestfallen citizens. Coco Rosie's sisters, Bianca and Sierra Cassidy, have stated they are working on a new album as well. Release date to be announced. From the collective minds of Coco Rosie and Anahi, here is Smoke Em Out.
To finish out tonight's show, it's time for your weekly LGBTQ plus area event calendar. On Sunday, join DJ Aaron Tilford at Monsieur. Monsieur is a weekly event at the Root Cellar Lounge beneath Farm Bloomington. DJ Tilford will start spinning the beats beginning at 8 p.m. IU Sigma Phi Beta Fraternity is returning with their annual drag for a cause. This event is a Miss Universe style drag competition in which local drag queens lip sync, crack jokes, and strut the runway for the title of Miss Sigma Phi Beta. The hosted by the People's Diva, Miss Argenta Peron, the event will also feature a special guest, Mrs. Kasha Davis from season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race. All proceeds will go to Prism Youth Group Tickets are available on eventbrite.com, and more information can be found on Facebook. Come celebrate with us as our own associate producer and board engineer, Sarah Hetrick, is, is honored during the Be More Awards, which celebrates volunteers on Tuesday, March 28th at 7 p.m. at the Buzzkirk Chumley Theater. The Hoosiers Out Together Conference 2017 will be held at Purdue University March the 31st through April the 2nd. The cost is $15 for students and $25 for non-students. HOTCon is the first college conference to focus on the history, present conditions, and future visualizations of LGBTQ people in Indiana. Over three days of workshops, presentations, activities, and panels, we will explore the challenges that face us as an LGBTQ Hoosiers. HOTCon is space for students, faculty, staff, and community members. The second annual Gabe Hines Celebration of Life Drag Show will be held on Saturday, April 1st from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. in Trev Hall at the Ivy Tech Community College campus in Bloomington. The show is a fundraiser for the Student Emergency Fund at Ivy Tech. 100% of tips go towards the Ivy Tech Student Emergency Fund. Featured entertainers include Vicki St. James, Silky Ganache, Sanaya Omni, Hall Bendova Plenty and Ariana Perone. The event is hosted by Miss Vanessa Vale. And uh, continuing the long list of RuPaul's Drag Race contestants at the back door on Friday, April 14th, Courtney Act will perform. More information can be found on Facebook. And finally, begin preparing your stomach for the Prism Youth Community's Rainbow Pancake Brunch on April the 15th 
at the Unitarian Universalist Church in Bloomington. More information can be found on Facebook. Well, that's all the time we have this evening. We'd like to thank you for tuning in tonight. If you're interested in volunteering here at WFHB or for our show, contact volunteer at wfhb.org. You can also call us at 812-323-1200, tweet us at Blooming Out WFHB, visit our Blooming Out Facebook page, or find us on Instagram. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe, Joe Crawford. The producer is Ryan Shaddy. The associate producer and board engineer is Sarah Hetrick. And the news director is Noel Phillips. Finally, our theme music is an original composition produced for Blooming Out by Aaron Gage. For Blooming Out, Jeff Poling and Grace Thumser, I'm Colin Schasberger. Please tune in again next Thursday at 5.30 p.m. and visit us online at bloomingout.com. Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus radio program, airs every Thursday evening here on WFHB at 5.30 p.m. You can also stream us 24 hours a day, seven days a week on WFHB.org or BloomingOut.com. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week to Blooming Out. Blooming Out.